No my hi to my, and welcome to Full Disclosure, a Stuff and KL Productions podcast with me, Karen O'Leary. In this series, I talk with all sorts of amazing and famous Kiwis to find out how coming out was for them. This week on Full Disclosure, I talk to comedian Chris Parker. Told everyone, took ages. I was like already on the cover of Express Magazine um, <laughs> as New Zealand's next gay young voice in comedy before I told my parents. And so that was a real motivator to be like, I need to tell them before they see the magazine I'm on the cover of. But in many ways, I was like, I'm gay and also a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now look, I'm absolutely pumped, chuffed, very, very pleased to be sitting opposite this person right now in the Full Disclosure studio. Um, this person, obviously, incredibly talented, Multi-talented, in fact. Not only is he funny, not only is he incredibly creative, he's also very, very tall. And obviously I'm sitting here with the one and only, the fantastic Chris Parker. Chris, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. You know what? Everyone always says that about me when they meet me. They always say, gosh, you're tall. But is that because, why is that? It's, I think, what we're going to solve over this podcast. It's This is a true crime, is it? No, no this, is oh. just a, this is a podcast about height. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, That's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I think I must give off a childlike energy, infant sort of like, mm-hmm. he, he could be seven years old yeah, on, so therefore, on this app, the app Instagram, yeah. where most people know me from. And then they meet me in real life and think, oh my good God, what He's a an giant. And He's... an adult, no less, with responsibilities and a family we don't know. You've got a family that we don't know about? <laughs> Again, we will be answering these questions today. Oh, look, we can't rush ahead, Chris. Like we've only just started, and now I'm I'm already c- completely confused. Okay? I want to get you off guard. You that know, doesn't I want to happen. pull the rug beneath. You don't. You talk about my rug <laughs> on this. Feet. Although this is the yes, that this kind would of be point. the. I mean, it's full disclosure. And like I said, the one one of the three notes I've got is that, and I've written it here without any good grammar. It just says, "Seen your penis." Yeah, seen your rug. <laughs> <laughs> you have it. <laughs> And for those of you listening that don't understand what we're talking about. It was a night in 1972. <laughs> no, obviously it was um, when I got to the pleasure of working alongside Chris and his penis in the amazing film <laughs> New Tuesday, yeah. um, where we all had to be completely starkers. It was a remarkable experience and our first time working together. No, maybe. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, maybe. But we knew of each other. Truly. But, but I think we bonded we, on a level that was, you know, we had some heart to hearts over that shoot period, which was one of the most intensive experiences I've ever had. And it, I had just come off Celebrity Treasure Island, and yet I found oh, yes. the filming of New Tuesday to be sort of more immersive, more um, inescapable than CTI. But I guess as well, even the fact that on New Tuesday, we were obviously as amazing actors, that's why we are on the film. Yeah. That's why we... Well, that's what we're known they, for, yeah, yeah, as yeah, our but, amazing acting. Yeah, but as acting. Um, obviously, we both were playing... Gay characters. Yes. Do you think we've been typecast? It's a really good question. I think. I mean, it, I would only ever want to play gay characters now. I think. I mean, if a straight character, you know, I have played a straight character. When I think when? Well, maybe not. And this could be up for debate, <laughs> and it could be truly humbling. But I was actually rewatching my cameo in Wellington Paranormal. Yeah, where yes. I play opposite I Tom know Sainsbury. that show. <laughs> you know that show. And I play Officer Sainsbury. Shrewsbury. No, Sainsbury. Sainsbury. Yeah, yeah. Alongside Tom Sainsbury. And I was watching that back and I was like, I think this character's straight. Yeah, you were so manly and butch. Yeah. Well, because I was like kind of a cop, you know, and a, maybe, I don't know what happened, but we just decided to push in that direction. But 
I, I often play gay characters now when I do. I mean, I just play myself. That's, I think that's the trick to all acting. It is. That's what I've found out. Just do who, just do you. You just do you. Yeah. And, and, then, it, and then they'll and, say whether that the character's gay or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And generally speaking, yes, they <laughs> bloody are. It's yeah. pretty obvious. <laughs> look at your haircut, Karen. <laughs> Listen to your voice, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Hey, look, now look, we could talk about all of the amazing projects we worked together on, and maybe or, we or will. one of them. No, two. Well, we were never, I don't think we ever shared a day on set together. But that was, that's. But pretty, we were in the credits together. Well, it's kind of like my show and you were in it. Are you true? <laughs> New Tuesday, we were both on that. And look, you know, now we're in a podcast together, so isn't that a beautiful thing? And also, Your I came, podcast, which I'm in. Yep. And also, yeah. I did come to your 30th. Yeah. Had a great time at that. Yeah, you did. I saw the bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> Righty-ho, let's get back to the topic at hand, yes. which is obviously this podcast is all about talking to people about their experiences of being gay or bisexual in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And what it's been like for them, that journey, you know, from, mm. from woe to go and keep going and whatever you want. And then go to show. Go to, yeah, go to a show. And show to woo. <laughs> Have you, which part are you at? I would say I'm at, um, I've definitely gone from go to woe. Yeah. And then I did woe to show. I did mini show. Yes. And I reckon now I'm at sort of show to woo. Oh, Pace yourself. All right. Well, look, you pace yourself now as well because we're getting, again, ahead of schedule. Yeah, sorry. We need to start at the beginning. So when did you first know that you're a gay? It's such a good question and one that I feel like I'm constantly on. Un- Answering for people? Do you feel Sorry, like do you want a different question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Favourite chip. <laughs> How much do you love do cricket? You like... <laughs> <laughs> what I find is people are very curious about it, aren't yeah. they? Like they always ask that. Because and... you'd never ask a straight person. When did, <laughs> when you, did you know you were straight? straight? <laughs> when was it confirmed for you? For me, I, and I think now I've got an answer. I think it's I've got this answer yeah. that I give everyone. So I'll just give you the answer that I give it. You give me the answer. All the time, which is like I have always linked the sexuality journey to like there being something in the distance that I couldn't quite see because I didn't have my glasses on. There's this foggy kind of mysterious thing that I could sort of be like, oh, I think that is something. Yeah. But I'm sure everyone else is also seeing a foggy thing in the distance too. And you're sort of teenage years and no one's talking to each other and everyone's going through stuff. Yeah. And so you're like, you can kind of vibe with your friends that everyone can see something in the distance that's kind of foggy and they can't identify. And the older I got, the years went on, oh, you know, there was the, the crash in the 90s. And, no, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no one else was seeing the fog, were they? Well, well, I think people were, but the fog was different things for people. As I got right. older, you know, whatever that fog was, that mysterious figure started to define itself more and more for me. And then I was like, oh, hmm, that kind of looks like. Something, but I, but I couldn't quite be sure. And then I got a little bit older, and was like, okay, that that does look a little bit like that like thing, but I'm not sure what that is. And then, kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure what I am seeing there is this, but I'm not. I couldn't possibly. Sh- and then there was a moment where I was like, aha, like I reckon it is that, but I'm not ready to sort of say it or identify yep. it. And then, when that- are we talking now? How old are you? I would say, like, I would have been maybe, mm, like, 20 yep. when I was looking at it in its eyes and Dan yep. Carter was winking at me back, you know? Yes. Like, I was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> that is definitely a sexuality question. And 
like and that's been confirmed from my Google search image like history and from yeah. <laughs> where my eye tends to wander and my taste in music and fashion. But um now I'm not ready to sort of look at it and go like that is me knowing I'm gay and then yeah, eventually you just um identify it and label it and then share it with the world and then woe to go. Yeah, and it, exactly. So you were 20. But for a while, I guess it was like, I thought we were all, and I think we were all navigating certain questions about yeah. our identity. And there's, it's, it's, it's lots of different people, be it like a mental health struggle or, you know, an, a gender identity question or mm. whatever. Like, we're all sort of working out who we are, even just like guys not necessarily fitting an ideal like understanding of um, masculinity. And that was mm. a big one for me because I was at an all-boys school. And I think yeah. we were all... We weren't talking to each other, but we were all panicking alone in our room, being like, who am I? And mine was, yeah, the gay thing, that old thing. And then, um, yeah, by the end of drama school, I was definitely finally out. Yeah. So then going thinking, go back to your school days, what was it like when you were at school? Because I can't imagine what it's like to be at an all-boys school. Yeah. Mostly because, well, not mostly for anything, but I'm not a boy, and also I went to a co-ed school. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going to a co-ed school. I just couldn't possibly fathom what the environment would have been like. I do think because at that age, and that was the big thing I took away from the special, was like teens are always going to want to rebel or find or, or struggle through the sort of yeah. infrastructure that's around them. And then you can never not take that away from them because that's <laughs> yeah. what being a teenager is about. Yes, it's about torment. being like over everything and everything sucks and <laughs> yeah. this doesn't understand me. And even though the world is becoming more inclusive and accepting, I still think it's important for teenagers to be misunderstood because it's like that's where identity is formed and it's yes. so cool. So that's so my true. big takeaway. I was like, oh, you can't take away the pain or the struggle because they're just going to dig deeper and find more places to sort of butt up against something. Yeah. And it's important to. But, yeah, so I think – School was, well, it's so hard to sort of sum it all up because it was like a given. There was no way out of it. It was just the environment is what everyone else was doing. And like mm. even the difference between like me and like kids now at school, like it's they're just different worlds, like yes. in terms of the amount of representation, amount of like work that's been done in media and storytelling mm. and everything around like representation. It just was like not there. So you didn't kind of question it. Um, and so I was just like, this is the environment I'm going to be in. And I was still questioning that stuff about myself. Yeah. But the sort of prejudices or, you know, the, the resistance that people had to who I was clearly becoming yeah. in terms of beyond sexuality, just about who I am as a man. Yes. And that, that not, fitting the picture of how they see men being, that's the other guys in the school, yeah. then, you know, like, there were other kids who were also going through that resistance. And yeah. so, like, we were all going through it together. Yeah, but I guess as well, like like you said, today I think, you know, there is that increased representation, there is that awareness, there is that m a much deeper understanding for lots of people, not for everyone, obviously. Um, but do you think that that's going to help people find themselves earlier? I hope so. Yeah, I think so. And I think it is happening. But again, I think teenagers will still feel misunderstood. Yeah, <laughs> like, they that, need that. They, and need, they need it. It's beautiful. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. You know, like you still are going to fall in love with the wrong person or, you know, your parents are still going to be assholes or whatever. And yeah. It's like, it's so good.
It's yeah. so good to lean into it. That's what being a teenager is about. Absolutely. Embrace it. Yeah. We exactly. don't want happy teenagers. Have a horrible haircut. Like you've got to have <laughs> at least two that you are like thought was everything and then look back and you're like, what oh was I my thinking? Gosh. It's so important to do that. Yeah, like my long blonde ponytail that I had at high school for Did most of the you? time. Mm, and uh, a massive big fringe. Like up or down? Oh, no, down. <laughs> Sensible down. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had long um, sort of shoulder length blonde hair. Did you? At your old boys school? Yeah. Um, and I really was trying to go for like, I was watching a lot of Homo Way at the time, kind of a surfer look. <laughs> Lots of Homo Ways. I was like, <laughs> homo Waves. Homo and gay. Homo Homo Way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of surfers. I was into them because I was obviously sexually attracted to them, but I was yeah. thinking they were more like male role models. You know, just yeah. the weird narratives we give ourselves yeah. at that age. But I love this sort of carefree rocker <laughs> surfer hair, and I was like, I could do that. Um, and like consistently rocked like a, a soft blowout. Beautiful. You know, just like soft, yeah. luscious, <laughs> thick curls. I remember playing John Proctor in my high school production of, of The Crucible. And that's when my hair was at its longest because it was period. Yeah. And I walked out on stage and I heard a girl in the front row go, oh, that's exactly how I want my hair for my formal. <laughs> Here's a question. This is completely random. Nothing to do with really the podcast at all. But I just always wanted to know. Why are sometimes yeah. gay men yeah. more into fashion than straight men? <laughs> It's, I mean, and also just, I feel like that's right on topic. I don't, and it is actually, isn't it? But yeah, do you know the answer? You know, I just don't, I just don't know. Like, and that's this whole confound, like, confusing thing I found about being not only a gay man, but like a gay man in media and like sort of commented on and like mm. kind of considered like a stereotypical gay. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what even is that? Like, because I don't really link. My, and that's the thing I find like my journey with my sexuality is almost quite separate to my journey as like a man. Yeah. Because people are so fine with like, you know, love who you want to love and all that kind of stuff. You, but, you know, but it's me kind of running around my limp wrists and screaming and being yeah. exaggerated and more feminine that I find most men have a problem with. And so, but I don't link that. Sure, there are a lot of gay men who are flamboyant, but yes. I sort of think of them as separate things. One's my personality and one's my sexuality. Yeah, well, this is we were just talking about someone else that said, you know, obviously your sexuality is not actually a personality trait. No, but it is weird because we would, I would consider us both to be quite sort of stereotypical in terms of who we represent. What are you trying to say? Um, um, no. Um, <laughs> I know, but yeah, but that's a thing. That's But, <laughs> but then it's, <laughs> I mean, so then are we I making mean, the problem know, worse? Are we making it worse? I don't know. I think we are just being who we want to be, but this is, I feel like we're both having a revelation in terms yes. of our own identities and being kind of cliches. Yes. <laughs> but it feeling true to us. And I, so I don't know if we're being led or if there's only just so many types of people in this world. <laughs> but my draw to Barbie or Julia Roberts or Barbara Streisand or fashion or wanting yeah. to drink a martini is feels... Very, like, natural to me. It doesn't feel and, like I'm putting it on. Yeah. It's, it, a, it's a primal urge. Similarly, <laughs> Julie Roberts and Pretty Woman, when she did that, that I'd really fancy the pants off her. Yeah. Drinking beer and watching the cricket. Oh, it's interesting. Just, yeah. yeah it's just, I was sort of thinking, like, what a... Like, <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know. It's sort of... I think her just sort of going just, to that shop and... Um, no, I just remember that bit where... But didn't... When, 
when he was taking when they were sitting watching the movies and she was laughing and you knew what they were going to do. Yeah, you it was not Richard that. Gere that I was looking at. That's for sure. I wasn't looking at Richard Gere either in that film, <laughs> but I wasn't looking at Julie Roberts in the same way that you were. Yeah, I think I think that we, that's, and that's gay culture. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. One on one. Yeah, exactly. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, Chris, let's go back to, again, we go forward and we go sideways. Um, when you first did come out officially, publicly, yeah. when was that? How did it go? Who was it to? 1920. <laughs> <laughs> It was before the war. <laughs> yeah. It a was. hard time to come out. <laughs> it was after drama school. So I went after through Toy all of high Kati. school. Yeah. Yep. And then I went through all of Toy Fakati in the closet as well. I actually made a show in my third year. We made like a solo work and it was called No More Dancing in the Good Room. And it was, you know, a full use of my drama school expression. It was like very performance art. Well, mm. so I thought... I was. A, yeah. It was like me. It was exploring when I gave up dance and ballet as a boy, and it used a lot of home footage. And there was a lot of time in me like watching old home videos. Um, and I was definitely thinking about like you know the the whole. But within the third year of drama school, it was just like when is he going to come out? And everyone was sort of talking about it colloquially and casually, yeah. and it would be kind of it wasn't a joke, but it was just like you know it was so normalized that. My struggle in this yeah. weird way that made it even harder for me to want to come out, I guess, because maybe there was the shame of, like, everyone could see this thing about everyone me that I knows. just couldn't see myself, which is <laughs> yeah. why, like, when people tell your story of, like, and then I came out and then my parents were like, we know. Like, I find that response of we know, like, so unhelpful in a weird way because – That's it, what my mum and dad said to me. How did you feel when they said that? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, at least have some response. Well, that's what I find. But then, but then I didn't want them to have like a, oh my God, response either. So it's... No, but I do think, I think coming out is really awesome. Like I think, <laughs> not in the sense of like, you should be like versus staying in, but like <laughs> yeah. just the process of coming out is a really special thing yeah. that I think queer people get to do. Um, and I feel like when people are like, we should be living in a world where we don't have to come out. Mm. I'm like, well, I do think we should still be living in a world where we're having robust conversations around our our identities and, you know, our sexual curiosities with each other, um, you know, I think that's a great world to be living in. So I do feel like those coming out conversations are really healthy because I love what comes out of them. And you have these like really gorgeous, honest, frank conversations with one another. But my kind of coming out is that sort of classic thing of dating a woman. And I sort of explored a couple of heterosexual 
pairings to see if that was yes, a thing yes. for me. And and that's why I go back to that sort of fuzzy figure thing of mm. like slowly working it out. Because it wasn't like I was like, I need a decoy. There was yeah. no part of me that was yeah. like maliciously dating a woman yeah. to like sort of keep people off the chase. <laughs> I was actively trying to work yeah. out where I lay in terms of my sexuality. Trying to help that thing become more clear. Yeah, and it's not like I was using her no. to be like, okay, it's definitely men. It was yeah. like, I just was like, there was an attraction there. And so yeah. it was just like, that's why it's like very spectrum isn't it? Like it's yes. not like black and white. And um, so yeah, by the so we broke up and then she asked me, there's this rumor, people talk about it, that potentially you might be interested in men. And I remember like, it's like a train going past. Mm, yeah. And I was like, get on the train, get on the train. I'm so used <laughs> to being like, no, that's nonsense and getting on yeah. that train. And I just remember like the metaphorical train just like passing and I had left it too long to like jump on the yeah. train and left the station that like the silence had spoken the truth. Yeah. And that was it, you know, the truth was out and then sobbed and at just the, from the moment. shock of it, yeah. I guess, and the, yeah. and the admission of it for myself, not to even to her, but just to be like, I had finally said it to myself yeah. and then got dropped off at Hayley Sproul's house. Mm. And, yeah. um, she opened the door and immediately knew what had happened without even uttering a word. And then we stayed up till 4am and talked um, on her deck in Wellington. And then her fiancé, Aaron, came home and he sort of came home at like 3am. He saw us talking out on the deck. And apparently when Hayley went to bed that night, Aaron said, so has Chris come out? And so he could already <laughs> yeah. tell what was going on. Yeah. So basically everyone kind of did give you that we know response. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And... That's yeah. So then it came through the process of like telling like my closest friend. You go on this big like publicity tour, yeah, big PR <laughs> yeah, yeah, campaign. Yeah, you gotta tell yeah. everyone. And it took me ages to tell my parents. Um, Why just is that? It, because it's an awkward conversation that we were not prepped for in the sense that not that they were not unconditionally supportive and loved me no matter mm. what, but because we talked about other stuff. Um, and we were never like, hey, and so back onto the old identity stuff. Yeah. Uh, we still trick along with the whole straight things that we want to roll? Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, you know, it involved me having to sit down and be like, um, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've got something I'm, to say. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> like, it's never not awkward. And everyone's like, it's not, it shouldn't be a big deal, but it is it a big deal. Yeah. It's so it's a big deal. So, um, yes, told everyone, took ages. I was like, already on the cover of Express Magazine um, <laughs> as New Zealand's next gay young voice in comedy before I told my parents. And so that was a real motivator um, to be like, I need to tell them before they see the magazine I'm on the cover of. frequently reading Express Magazine? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, like, it was like it goes, circulating on Facebook <laughs> and stuff. And oh, I, right, yeah, yeah. But in many ways, I was like, I'm gay and also a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at this. <laughs> so you could have just sent them that in the post. I could have. I would have. I feel like. Would have uh, really robbed us from the sort of tender, heartwarming moment where we could have like connected and, and chatted. And to really talk about those things that really matter to you. And to sort of like, it's so exposing. Yeah. And I'm like, you're straight being sort of get robbed of that a little bit. Don't you think? But they get lots of other benefits. <laughs> so I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, we wish we could give them something. <laughs> well, I've already, I was just talking to Maddie McLean and I decided that we're going to start a thing where we have. Um, be friends with the gay day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're just going to send lots of gays out. In the, into Is that the, fair for the gays? 
No, not entirely, but <laughs> life out- is not fear, Chris. <laughs> You're sort of doing the good work, you know. Yeah. We have to volunteer a day where we sort of help some straights out. Yeah, yeah you know, we're those kind of people, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Always yeah, trying to help things out. Speaking of being I would help- say I've got like way more straight friends than I ever thought I was. Because I used to have a joke that I was like, I've got no straight friends. And now I look at it, I'm like, I think most of my friends are, are straight. I don't really have many like. I don't have, I don't, I think I've got hardly any lesbian friends. <laughs> I actually feel like my I've got partner. heaps of lesbian friends. <laughs> Have you? So this thing happens in your 30s, I find, where um, all your female friends are like, guess what? I'm bi or lesbian or whatever. You're like, wow, my God, they're so like, <laughs> evil, oh, great, amazing. <laughs> like it's suddenly like. Yeah. Women just see the light, you know? <laughs> I don't know what happens in your 30s, but it all sort of changes. You think you know it all and then suddenly, boom, it's a whole new energy. Yeah. But then why does that not happen to straight men? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would be <laughs> a plot twist. I love it. I don't think it's going to happen. You can finish your mouth if you like. (laughs) Well, that was good and low. What, my voice? Yeah. Yes, right. I've got an incredibly low voice. I think I have a really gay voice. Would you say my voice sounds gay? Close your eyes. Hi, Karen. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, on the Kinsey scale, where's that But again, that it's like that thing of what is a gay voice. It's like I know, but I, but I it's mean, true. People I can, in the comment section on any you know social yeah. media can tell you probably what a gay voice is. Yeah, but I can tell lesbians from the phone. Can you? Yes, Gen- like. I can tell but le- from the phone. Yeah, yeah, like the home phone or phone, yeah, on the landline. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but if I'm talking to someone, yes, but only if they're my type of le- like. A stereotypical lesbian. Okay. I feel like they've got a certain kind of voice. A sort of attack in, on the phone. What is it? Can attack? You... What do you mean? Like, well, how do you mean? What it do just, you mean? I, do, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like a lesbian voice is just, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it, slightly more masculine sounding and or I'll close delivery. my eyes and then I'll go, hello, Karen speaking, because okay. I'm you in this situation. Yeah, right, okay. And then you be the lesbian on the other yeah, end okay, of the phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. Bring, 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 bring. Hello, Karen speaking. Yeah, hi, it's just me, um, Susie, just ringing about your car. The warrant's done. So if you want to come pick it up anytime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have picked lesbian off that. What would you have picked? I don't know. Mechanic. Mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> this is my acting. But also Karen, you know, just yeah. you being you. Yeah. Now look, back to you being charitable. Mm. Obviously you're on that big, massive show where you were the ultimate Brilliant champion, <laughs> Celebrity Treasure Island. Yes, you know it. I know it. I didn't win it. Um, but for you, knowing that you'd raised all of that money yeah. for Rainbow Youth, yeah, how big of an impact do you think that had? For them or for me? Both. Okay. For them, huge. We're just coming out of COVID, and mm. so a lot of the support, that financial support that those smaller organisations were getting – had been sort of reshuffled in mm-hmm. order to focus on this massive health crisis that we were facing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was harder for these smaller charitable organisations to get a bit of money to keep going. And what I liked about Rainbow Youth was that, um, oh, I mean, all these Rainbow organisations are amazing yeah. and all the work they do, and they're all stretched. Um, and yeah. I could have picked any of them. Rainbow Youth I'd worked with in the past, and I like that they work on this, like, you know, different levels. Like they sort of work in terms of advocacy. Yeah. And then they also just have like these like on the ground drop-in centers where young trans kids can like play around with makeup or clothes to sort of navigate how they want to be in the world. And there's like counseling. And so I was like, it's like, you know, seems like a great place to sort of for that money to go because it feels like it could spread quite wide. 
so lots of people were sort of who hadn't known about Rainbow Youth were introduced yes. to Rainbow Youth and yep. then they were also compelled to want to donate. And yep. so they'd seen like heaps of donations as well, which is amazing. And then for me personally, like I think the show is so weird and that show is was such a, um, you know, it was a really intense experience. It's a long time away without seeing the people you love and not having a phone and just not having those comforts. You feel really out of it. You won the phone call though, eh? I did win the phone call. I remember that though. Yeah. That made me cry. It was a beautiful moment. It was, I know. It was really uh, confronting in terms of like just being in a competitive environment mm. and at this thing around like challenges and yeah. game, which I find queer people will find immediately like triggering in a weird way because it just brings it back to school or athletics day or whatever. And it's suddenly it's all like out there again. And Do you think that's especially so for, for gay men as opposed to lesbian women? I don't know. I don't want to make that call. I was going to make it. Okay, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone, I just think queer people find athletics day uncomfortable. <laughs> Swimming sports uncomfortable across the board. Or did you thrive? No, I can't swim. And also I'm a really slow runner. So, so here we go. <laughs> I love team sports though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So I went into, like when I went into Treasure Run, I was like, this is going to be great. I used to be so good at sports. But I, then I forgot that I'm 45 or whatever mm. it was. I'm, I've never been an Olympian or an All Black. Mm. And I'm not a six foot tall man. So I'm pretty much screwed in all of the challenges. But it brings, and don't you think it brings out those old weird, like even though they're not really related, it just brings it all out again. I don't know, like you haven't yeah. fully unpacked it or it's just sort of sitting there or it just hits it. And so I found myself sort of navigating this probably sleep deprived and yeah. hunger fueled yeah. <laughs> identity crisis yes. while being filmed. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like it was so consumed by it. And then by the end, I had made my mind up that I wasn't going to win and that I was going to be fine with that. Did you say you had made your mind up? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted yeah. to make like uh, some money for Rampo Youth and make some yeah. funny TV. And yeah. Those are my goals coming <laughs> yeah. out of it. And then so I was finding myself on finals days, totally consumed by it all. And I, the, the morning I woke up was just sort of like thinking to myself, like, how do you want to be through this? How are you going to yeah. navigate this, Chris? And I thought, okay, like one, make great TV. It's always been the goal. Yes. And then two try and be like a role model for your charity. So you might not be able to bring the money back, but you might be able to spread the message back. And also if there's like young queer kids watching or kids struggling with who they are or whatever, then they could watch that and they could take something away from that. And that's worth enough. And So you talk to the bull. So I talked to the bull. Yeah. I cheered myself on. You, I you never said gave you were going to give up. I just, oh, <laughs> exactly. honestly. And sort of had written on my hand, do this for Rainbow Youth. And so yeah. I just knew that it was meant that it wasn't going to be a reflection on my performance, but like that I could do this for something something bigger than me yes. and the way that I carried yeah. myself would have meant that I wasn't like sulking or yeah, yeah. You know, like Fuck this. having a hissy fit <laughs> or just like losing and then sort of being embarrassing. Yeah. Okay, Chris, think of yourself as a young person. Now I actually just before Well you, I sort of see myself as a young person. Yeah that's person. right, you are a seven year old, but also <laughs> I was thinking about you when you were young and dancing. Creepy. Because when I, no. <laughs> going back to the first thing I said to you about your penis, I remember on New Tuesday yeah. watching you dance. Oh, and fully dressed. Yeah, with your clothes on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And just thinking like, wow, you were like an actual official ballet slash contemporary dancer professional. I love to dance. I'm not surprised because you're so good at it. Thank you. I've always used my body to express myself. And yeah, I did ballet as a, as a boy. Um, and dropped out because of oh, drum roll, 
identity issues, not sort of, yeah, all that boring stuff, robbing myself of I don't know why we do that. But I was just like, oh, no, 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 the boys are doing ballet. They're going to find out who I am and that's bad or something. I don't know what sort of. That's why I dropped out of rep cricket because I was worried there was too many lesbians in We it. needed to swap. I know. This is like when we had that meeting at <laughs> For New Tuesday. And I was like, I should have been in the men's meeting for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so beautiful. I know, <laughs> a meeting. Yeah, yeah. I consider that more a conversation. Oh, but they, they were meetings. Yeah, yes. they were meetings. Yeah. <laughs> but you and I, I guess, yes, had yeah. somewhat of a meeting. <laughs> As, yeah. Um, I know we were talking about our like weird sort of draw to like you wanting to be with the men and me wanting to be with the women. And that like, for me, that was like school. Like I always liked hanging out there yeah. with the girls. And because I could hear what the women were saying about, you know, their concerns around nudity. And I certainly didn't. I had plenty of my own. Yeah. But I just... I didn't feel like I fitted into that group <laughs> of straight women. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, we've gone again. I haven't answered the, the one question was your young, lovely dancing self, Chris Parker. Yeah. Would you give yourself any advice that you think would be helpful? Oh, I just don't think I could. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I'm so grateful for the journey I had, even though, that's a good, that's even a great though it was difficult. I think. And what is that? You know, I guess all obstacles, all resistance, well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but like is a point of growth and will help define who you are. I think there's some resistance that's unnecessary and like hard, mm. like actually difficult and yeah. probably you could do better without. But <laughs> <laughs> like I think in terms of what I went through, like it sort of helped me form who I am. So I guess... Like, what is it? I don't know. Why? I feel like I need more advice to who I am now. But because I, I feel give like you some advice if you want now, <laughs> yeah, go on. You need to start dressing better. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my advice for my younger self would be like, I don't know. Like you're you're loved. Yeah, that's all you. Sort but didn't of, but your younger self knew that, didn't they? I guess so. But you know what is the. What is the, I don't know what the fear was or the or what I was scared of. I guess that I, I was not going to be. So to be reminded that I was would yeah. be good know, advice. Would be good advice. But I, I even if you get given that advice, you probably don't take it on board. No. So maybe listen, take the advice. Okay, yeah, take advice <laughs> that's given to you, unless it's rubbish. Yeah. Thinking about though, just before we finish, let's go back to you know that time when you did when you did, you did come out. Mm-hmm. Do you think once you'd done it, so you know after your third year of drama school. Did your relationship with yourself change as a result? Yeah. But I think I think my relationship to myself is changing every day. Mm. And so naturally, yeah, like when I came out, I found that liberation and, you know, went through my baby gay era of like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was all that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was running around like, just screaming like, gay rights. Yeah. <laughs> the rainbow flags were up. And, yeah. and now I find myself jaded and withered and... Cynical, not cynical, but you know, it, like I think you're just constantly coming out, aren't you? Like, you're, yes. and you're constantly yeah. looking back at your former self and cringing or or loving it, yeah. and then moving on, and then you know, coming out of the next stage in your life. And so, I think, yeah, my relationship to myself is always, but I'm never like evolving, evolving. But I'm never um, ashamed. Like, yeah, no, I am not ashamed of who or who I have been in the past. And I don't think you should be ashamed of who you are now, Chris. You're like, apart from this, explain this photo. <laughs> no, I don't have any photos. Um, Chris, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. What a treat. You're very funny. You're very Thank lovely you. to talk to. I just really enjoy all your ideas. You're a very smart person. Do you think? Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you. Is that not true? 
<sighs> what did you get I'm for school seats? Oh, barely got through. Um, because yeah, but you're creative. I knew I got into drama school and so I forgot to turn up to my music exam. What were you going to play at music? Um, I was just start studying it. Oh, so you weren't playing? I played the clarinet. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I give off that vibe. Did you play an instrument? I just play the guitar. Yeah, I can see that too. Lesbian. All right. Well, on that note, on that musical note, um, <laughs> I'm going to get fingers, my... isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris, thank you so much. I hope you have just such a lovely rest of your day. Well, thank and you. Just and to those listening, yes? we wish you a very merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> This was Full Disclosure, a Stuff and Kale Productions podcast. Thanks so much for listening. There's a new episode released every Tuesday. You can find them at stuff.co.nz forward slash full disclosure or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on Apple or Spotify or any of the podcast apps, you'll get the latest episode delivered automatically without lifting a finger. Thanks to creator and producer Kate Langdon, Stuff producer Jen Black and executive producer Chris Reed, and audio editor John Ropiha with original music by Eilish Wilson. Matiwa Aotearoa. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like... You'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.